weeknights from 6 on 2FM. Thanks to Emma Power, it's Thursday the 19th of January and this is Game On. But coming up today, Bernard Jackman is in studio to dissect the Ireland Six Nations squad that is everyone talking. In basketball, we've the first of our National Cup final previews as we look ahead to the men's final. Jeff Shepard has our eye on America as well as the NFL postseason heats up. And we're live to the Etihad ahead of Man City v Spurs in the Premier League. If you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552 or tweet at GameOn2FM. Game On on 2FM. Now, welcome along. We have a pair of tickets to the sold-out insuremyhouse.ie Pat Duffy Cup final to give one lucky listener. Simply answer the following question. What venue will host the insuremyhouse.ie National Cup finals, which take place this weekend? Text your answer, your name and email address to 51552. And don't forget, there are 11 games taking place over insuremyhouse.ie National Cup finals weekend, which start on Friday, with tickets still available for some of the finals. Just go to the Basketball Ireland website, which is Ireland.basketball. Yes, that's Ireland.basketball. Now, welcome along. I am delighted to say that Bernard Jackman is with me in studio. Bernard, a big day for rugby, and we will get to it a little bit later on. I want to start, though, with Andy Murray and the fact that he has won a marathon, another marathon Australian Open men's single second round match. Um, it ran for five and three quarter hours and ended after 4 a.m. local time in Melbourne. So um, he was two sets down before he rallied to take the next two and clinched it by winning the fifth 7-5. His second marathon in the last few days at the Australian Open, Bernard, he has a metal hip. It's amazing. But yeah. also, it must be a really good hip surgeon. <laughs> yeah, very, very good hip surgeon, I think. Um, but look, at it, I, I watched a documentary on him and um, I, I was blown away by um, his commitment to, to trying to get back, to trying to stay at the, at the top level. And in, in fairness, he's been, his career's been... Um, Playing against a golden generation, some outstanding mm-hmm. talents, and um, he his doggedness, I suppose, is the thing he admired the most. And and even you know this win, you know, playing for another five and a half hour marathon, um, it looked like he was on the ropes for for large periods of it. But yet he finds a way to win. It's it's incredible, you know, it is incredible. And um, yeah, that surgeon, I know there's rugby players who've, who've gone to that surgeon, mm-hmm. um, but none of them have come back to the same Sean level. O'Brien. I think yeah, he, he went. O'Brien he, on that's and he told right. us he went and spoke to Andy Murray and. But then ended up going to the same surgeon. As yeah, well. yeah. But um, I mean, you think tennis the, on a hard courts, um, the twisting, the pressure on on your hips or any part of your body, uh, lower body in particular, it's um, it's phenomenal. And yeah, he's um, he's he's a he's a case study for 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 dedication <laughs> and resilience, isn't he? Yeah, you just wonder though what the um, what the effect he what effect that's going to have on him in years to come just putting his body through all of that uh, years ago Bernard I went and sat in on one of these hip operations oh, so yeah. lots of the hurling and football players at the time the GA players were getting their hips operated on exactly for the same reasons that all the wear and tear that the um, the ball of the hip wasn't fitting into the hip anymore and they needed to get it paired back or to um, just get a little bit of work done on it so that the mobility was better. So um, I went down to um, Conor McGrath from Clare to his operation um, and it was amazing. Mm. Like just to actually, I sat, I sat in the in the surgery for the whole thing. I wrote it was writing for the Sunday Independent at the time. But to see somebody like he was obviously out and to see just the work that goes into something like that and to be able to watch it and um and see it and um the fact as well it was just like it was like somebody with a load of tools doing a job. Mm. Like it was not what I expected. Uh, Connor came back and he came returned from injury and he was able to to play again it was a Dr. Carton down in Waterford um, was the the surgeon or Mr. Carton Um, it was just it was fascinating now I have to say and um, it made gave him a few more years and just made things better for him but uh, so many players haven't it done yeah, so on that documentary, the Murray documentary, they they show some of the operation, and um, there's a lot of interaction with the surgeon, you know, pre and post, and um, talking about the, and showing the rehab he had to do mm-hmm. to to get back. But uh, interestingly, probably about four or five years ago, there was a common trend in 
in young rugby players, professional rugby players, they were having to get a treatment, mm-hmm. not a, a hip replacement, but a little operation um, on their hip because the, uh, of the training they were doing in yeah. terms of lower body weights, yeah. etc. And maybe maybe going from you know one level to the yeah. next too quickly but I haven't heard of that recently yeah. you know it must have been around the same time yeah. I'd say that yeah. I went in and sat in it because when I sat in because when I got to the the consultants rooms there was a Christmas card from the from Kilkenny GA mm. so that just illustrated to me how many hurlers had been through his doors and, and got this um, this operation but um, you're right though sometimes it's, it's it's a bit of a fad as well you know that no. you hear one person's doing I need to do that now obviously this this worked completely but um, there was a lot at one time and then it has it does seem to have stopped again straight. yeah yeah it'll be, it'll be, look at it it's it's, it's the long term damage or or pressure that someone like Murray is is putting his body yeah. under you know what I mean well, uh, the, other, the other side of it as well it's a bit like you know when you hear of teams doing what other teams are doing like you're looking at Murray going well if he could sort his hip out and I sort my hip out then you know I could be playing football till I'm 42 yeah no um, but look he has a team around him and, mm. and um, he I think he's probably got that kind of mindset where he'll push himself further than maybe medic med, mm. medics think he should uh, and other people can whether that's good or bad but certainly from a I suppose a viewing point of view or, or as said someone to follow he is um he is he is fascinating because at whatever thirty six he's he's still competing at the highest level. Yeah, and more looked him. Be interesting to see now how many more of these marathons he's able to uh, withstand. While we are talking about legends of uh, sport, uh, PSG are playing the Riyadh All Stars, and interestingly, Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo have both scored that matches on at the moment and it is two all so we'll be keeping an eye on that Kylian Mbappe started as well if you wanted to go and see a few stars and they're all lining out in that one uh, Bernard just while we're talking about um, about different sports former Republic of Ireland manager Mick McCarthy is back in management again so he has taking taking part of taking over Blackpool he's replacing Michael Appleton he hasn't been in the game for 15 months but he's back in again now and again like I mean if it's what he wants to do brilliant but it must be so hard to say goodbye to management when you see so many people going back and back and back again Yeah it seems to be like a drug Um, and uh, look it's a a very uncompromising um, and tough career particularly if you're bouncing from like look at the reality is um, some of the jobs that are on offer this time of year um, probably aren't your dream jobs, you know, mm-hmm. for for someone like Mick McCarthy. But it's a chance to get back in the game, or um, and to either rebuild his career, or just I suppose um, crave or quash that craving that he has to be involved in the day to day running of a team, you know, and uh, the driving up and down the motorways and the um, you know the the match day experience, being touchline, <laughs> the constant phone calls, constant phone calls, <laughs> exactly. And and it is you know you've seen some managers like Bobby Robson when he you know um, even when his health wasn't good, wanted to be part of a of a of a of a team, um, and he felt that was that was kind of core to his his well being. Um, but you're also seeing a lot of coaches get out of it as well. So um, it's it's interesting. And someone like Mick, obviously, who's had who's a huge history with Ireland, you know, can he can he work his way back up again, or is that what he wants to do? Is just is just, just his last his last shot at it. Um, but yeah, there's it's certainly a drug, uh, it's certainly addictive, um, but it's it's highly pressurized. There was a little video this week on Twitter of a of a soccer manager, and he he videoed him himself or his wife videoed him or partner telling his kids about his job but it was mm-hmm. a man a Cardiff City or something like that and, and whatever I don't know how long it was later another video of him telling him they'd be, he'd been sacked you know what I mean and you just saw the the impact it had on his family so um, yeah there's this, there's probably a sadistic side to, to some some people who stay in um, in the in the coaching or, or management career particularly soccer and rugby you know, the last couple of months have shown us that rugby's becoming mm-hmm. a little bit more ruthless but soccer in general is um it's it's a tough way to make a living, I think. Yeah, and uh, look, I know you did it, and you, you're still doing it at club level now. But you did have those um, high profile jobs before. Is it something that you still crave to go no, back to that level? No. Or are you zero interest? Now? Zero interest. Um, I, I I I still love the game. Um, I'm very lucky. I, I get to go to a lot of rugby matches, media wise, or you know, coach in Bective, coaching school in Pres Bray. So I'm getting that f- that fix. Um, but I don't want that to be the way I make a living. Um, I, I want to give my family some stability. Um, I was very lucky. I was involved in pro rugby for 
20, 21 years um, but I've made that break and I, I, I'm very I'm comfortable with that because um, I could have got back in and I still could probably get back in um, but it's not something that I think um, would I, 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 I don't, it's not a joke for me you know, it's not it's not a joke for me uh, to be honest but I still love the game thankfully We've got a text in um, from someone looking forward to hearing our, your thoughts on Joey Carberry not making the Ireland squad. And we're going to get into that now because Andy Farrell did name a 37-man squad today for the upcoming Six Nations. The big headline is that Joey Carberry is not in this squad. So he misses out with Jack Crowley and Ross Byrne and, of course, Johnny Sexton getting in. Are we any closer to knowing who the number two out half is, uh, Bernard? Well, it doesn't look like it's Joey anyway. I think that's look. It's a big shock for me because, let's be honest, Joey's been picked by Farrell, you know, pretty much regardless of being in top form, consistently. Um, and I don't think his form has been that mm-hmm. bad, to be honest. But it's a real statement um, by by Farrell that Crowley has got in ahead of him because you know, and Jack is someone that they they think a huge amount of and is is a very good player. But he's been playing a little bit at twelve, you know, whereas Joey's been playing ten when he's been there. Ross Byrne has taken the opportunity with Johnny being out um, and, and taking him with two hands. I mean, part of a very good, very you know, good Leinster team over the last last five or six weeks. Obviously, kicked that goal against Australia. Um, I I don't know why he didn't just pick four four tens for this mm-hmm. for this squad um, and leave Joey in like it's, is, that, only, that, is that him done now? No, the only reason I think you could leave the, the only reason you would leave him out is if you feel he needs a bit of a kick up the bum. Yeah, um, like Gavin because, Yeah, exactly. And see what he's like under pressure. He's shown that he's not stuck in his in his ways because Ross Byrne was out in the wilderness. Now he's back. So, you know, Joey's going to play some um, some big games for Munster before the World Cup. He has an opportunity to get back in. Um, but like, it's not a form selection. Sorry, this squad is is a little bit perplexing in that. You know, you can't say you're leaving Joey Carby out on form, and then you pick Keith Earls, Connor Murray. Mm. Bundy yeah. at key, you know what I mean? That's the that's the issue. So, um, obviously, those lads have big have a lot of credit in the bank. But uh, you know, we've always been led to believe that Joey has a lot of credit mm-hmm. in the bank because you know he's always done quite well for for Ireland when he's had the opportunity. Um, so it's, it's interesting. Um, like second rows, he only went with four second rows. Uh, Treadwell is someone who's actually shown really well off the bench for Ireland under Farrell he's out uh, Stockdale as well sorry Stockdale's mm-hmm. form is terrible but he's in and uh, I noticed some injuries I think Balakloon uh, injured. is injured and stuff but still I think that's the, that's the hard one for for Farrell and I, I wouldn't I'm not doubting his, his ability as a selector but this squad certainly um, there's question marks around form um, and in a key position like out half you've invested Jeez, we've invested seven or eight years into Joey yeah. to be the next best to jo- to Johnny, and that's fine if he's not. If he's not, you make that call now. You know what I mean? Is he though? Well, see, he hasn't proven it to be honest. Okay. And, uh, he hasn't proven it, and Are but we, I, we're not going to get anything definitive though anytime soon by the sounds of it, because we're not going to see that much of anybody. No, um, but Ross, look at you know what Ross Byrne mm. can do. Uh, he's proven in terms of um, being able to go in and manage a team, um, goal kicking proven um, Jack Crowley looks like he has he has everything um, Johnny obviously you know if he start, if he's fit he starts so it's not a, it's not a big big problem um, but I, I just think given the fact that Johnny hasn't played for the last three or four weeks and I know he's he's fine um, I don't see the benefit of leaving Joey out of this large group now unless there's you want a reaction from him mm-hmm. um, and then is he going to be able to like I think the way Munster are trying to play under Prendergast and, and Roundtree will suit Joey. I, I, I've kind of given him um, a license or, 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 or credit. He's, he, I've, I've allowed the fact that the game plan that Munster had that didn't suit Joey kind of, um, uh, I suppose, compensate for the fact that he hasn't been outstanding for Munster. But now they have a game plan that should suit him. Um, it's similar to how Ireland want to play. I would have felt it was worth keeping him involved for the Six Nations um, and, and then making the call. But as I said, hopefully. He will he will react like Gavin Coombs has and uh, and Gavin Coombs is back in the squad and, and rightly so and he'll, he he will be the, the replacement to to Johnny or or certainly putting his hand up to compete with Ross Byrne and Jack Crowley for that number two spot. I was reading a piece with Rory Best on the RT website earlier on and he fears that Ireland are more reliant on Johnny Sexton now than they were before in the run into the last World Cup. 
Do you yeah. think so? Yeah, they are because probably at the last World Cup you had Murray who was up there with the best nines in the world um, and was a controlling type nine um, so but now because Gibson Park is such a, is such a nine that plays with tempo um, and Craig Casey's a nine that plays with a lot of tempo a huge amount of, of pressure comes on on Johnny um, and he's, he's well able for that pressure but it's hard to say that Jack Crowley or Ross Byrne or Joey Carberry can do the same thing you know because it's just Johnny's done it for the last 18, 19 years and um, I think there is more and that's that's amazing because probably if you if the you know if you looked at the World Cup review or if you were to look at it you know objectively you would have said we can't go to the next World Cup as reliant on Johnny Sexton as we were in the mm-hmm. previous one four years later <laughs> yeah. four years later now you know Rory Best thinks we're, we're more reliant yeah. more reliant so that's that is a worry but look at um, he's one of he's the outstanding player of his generation and you know we're lucky to have him and if he's fit we'll be mm-hmm. fine but uh, it, it does ask questions of of our ability to develop new talent yeah, it's one of those things. It's not a problem until it is a problem. And exactly. Yeah, that tends to happen a lot. Another um, talking point is Nick Timoney being left out of the squad. He's one of several Ulster players, actually, who seem to have been left out because of their poor recent form. Is it fair? No, Timoney, I think it's hard on him. I think he is, he is, he is a, an outstanding player. But I think you look at it, Jack Conan... Look, form-wise, I think Timoney's probably playing better than Jack Conan, but Jack Conan has always been ahead of him for Ireland, um, and he suits the way Ireland play. Baird has been excellent, and obviously he covers second row as well. Coombs has been excellent, covers second row as well. Keane Prendergast, you know, is a, is a quality player. And then you have Mahoney, Kellen Doris, and Josh Van der Fleer. So um, it is it is hard on him, but I, I think it's probably the area of the uh, of the Irish team that's, that's the most competitive. And, yeah, he's just unlucky to lose out. And just overall, though, like you know, we look at a squad and we think, "Oh, that's an exciting squad." Like, what's your thoughts on this squad? Uh, I'm glad to see Jamie Osborne in. Um, you know, probably Antoine Frisch was was no was probably putting his hand up as well for Munster with Robbie Henshaw being out. There's an opportunity there. Um, it's interesting. Some of the other countries have been a little bit more um, ambitious in terms mm-hmm. of you know bringing in new 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 blood, uh, and particularly France really see this as. An opportunity to test a couple more players, so they make that final cut. Um, as you said, this is this is a good squad, and and because we're number one in the world, um, and we're you know we're, we're looking like we're 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 in decent shape. Farrell doesn't want to make too many changes, but I would be worried about the fact that you know there's there's lads there's guys in this team who aren't in 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 great form, um, and as I've mentioned previously, and what's your biggest uh, concern? My biggest, my biggest concern would be outside backs. I mean, um, I think Stockdale and Earls. I think the key for Farrell is to get Earls, Stockdale, um, Murray back into into good form where they're realistic starters for Ireland by the time the World Cup comes around. That's the challenge, you know. What I mean, because if not, if you can't do that, um, you, you're pretty much carrying them, and you'd be better off trying to find, you know genuine replacements for them you, you don't want to go to a World Cup with players who are just there because of reputation you know and um, I believe I believe when, when Limerick won their first All-Ireland um, JP McManus you know got got together a group of people who've been at the top of their game um, in different sports and um, best you know people who are highly successful in soccer horse racing etc and they had a meeting together with Jack or with John Kiley and, and the whole thing was you know how do you create how do you make sure this isn't a once-off? How do you make sure that you know Limerick can go and win three, four, etc.? And and you know, it sounds so obvious, but the, the the most consistent message was, you know, pick on form, pick on form. You know, the fellas mm-hmm. were doing that training. Don't don't keep giving a guy who did it last year for you. He was an all-star last year. You know, multiple opportunities because when the pressure comes on, they're sometimes they they can put out a fire but the effect it has on the rest of the squad of feeling that there's always competition and genuine competition and to be honest this is what happened in 2019 Um, Joe basically when when the 1st of January 2019 Joe felt the team that had been the starters for him in 2018 were his team for uh, Japan and unfortunately some of those players didn't get back into form and and the whole thing fell apart and um, Look, this is a wide, wide squad. We'll, we'll know more when we see the team to play Wales, but um, certainly it, it, it quickly can create a dem and us within a squad if 
players see fellas there on past mm-hmm. reputations. And again, I'm, 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 I'm jumping to conclusions here but uh, because we don't know how he's going to pick the team. But certainly um, it is important that players in, at, at the top of their game see an opportunity and look to be fair he's done he's made the hard call with Joey Carberry so it's not there's con- there's contradictions in the squad you know uh, Joey Carberry lost out to Ross Byrne because Ross Byrne's in better form than him but then as I said there, and Gar- Jamie Osborne got in because he's been outstanding but yet there is examples of players that you would just question mm-hmm. their current form not their class you know not their uh, legacy in Irish rugby but their current form So Jamie Osborne how good can he be? Um, the great thing about Jamie Osborne is is that Every time he he hits a, uh, a higher challenge, he seems to step up to it and overcome it quite easily. Um, so we don't know how high his ceiling is. It looks like um, looks like it could be very high. Um, and this weekend it'll be another opportunity for him against Racing. Look, we have to say the, the other thing you need to be careful of when you watch Leinster players is um, over, I suppose, qualifying their ability because you have to take into account the team around him mm-hmm. you know um, and um, and let, he's playing with a very good team who are playing some inferior opposition Gloucester Gloucester are, 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 are pretty poor and, and Racing in, in round in round one were, were pretty poor as well but Jamie Osborne every time he's played has looked really comfortable um, and certainly the players who train with him every every day and, and who have done for the last couple of years since he was fast tracked through the academy all believe he's an international rugby player so, um, and he will be soon he's going to be an international rugby player very soon and then the opportunity is there to, to go and become a, a 50, 60, 70 cap man um, which is which is very difficult to do but it, uh, as of now and, and as I said people are working him day in day out do think he has he has a little bit extra and um, what we're seeing on the field looks like he has as well just you mentioned kind of injuries there and, and how they can um, stop somebody that you think is going to be around for a long time but just as great to see Jordan Larmer back again yeah and in fairness that's the form selection he's mm-hmm. he's come back um, he's been on the end of a lot of quality ball and he's he's done really well he's been physical which maybe was something he wasn't a couple of years ago um, and also he's looking for work and, and Farr likes that type of winger who doesn't stay on his wing who you know the Mac Hansen type the James Lowe unorthodox mm. he calls him he doesn't want him to be tidy um, yeah. and Jordan I was, was going to say messy messy yeah, yeah, yeah. did yeah. he messy. say that or yeah, just tidy, he didn't yeah. want them to be tidy yeah, just, I don't same want to be tidy I want, yeah. I, I don't, yeah same thing um, I don't want to be too tidy I think he said yeah. um, and Jordan didn't have that in his game um, but you can see it now you can see it now and then um, you know Jimmy O'Brien obviously he's very versatile he, he did really well in in, uh, in the autumn John, Hugo, no, Hugo Keenan is is like guaranteed to be 15 he's a really important player for Ireland um, like it's a good squad I'm not trying to be negative it, um, it's, a, it's a strong squad it's settled um, uh, Joe McCarthy's come in you know and he's he's looked you know really good for, for Leinster in the game time he's got um, so yeah it, 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 there's, no need to, it, there's no need to be worried it's just um, what's fascinating is I said some of the calls he's made and some of the people he's left out and, and, I, and again you know, I spoke about Joey, but I think Treadwell, Treadwell is 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 very unlucky, probably more unlucky than Timoney because Treadwell had been coming off the bench for Ireland in key games and giving impact. Um, so he's done nothing wrong. But again, as you as you mentioned, maybe he's just part of a uh, you know the fact that Ulster have been mm-hmm. so poor, he's lost out uh, for that reason. So uh, Bundyaki is in the squad uh, we haven't seen him playing so much for Connacht the last while uh, Pete Wilkins was asked about him a few days ago and he said that he well he gave no guarantees that he's going to feature against Newcastle on Saturday but he said he's available for selection and that the club uh, really values him what's going on? Um, look there's been a rumour for quite a while that uh, Bundy hasn't been himself in, in Connacht Um and to be honest, his form for Connacht, look, he had a big ban. He, mm-hmm. he played the first game against the Stormers, came off the bench, got sent off, got, a, I think, a six-week ban, maybe it was reduced to five. But he was out for a little while. Um, and he just, Connacht haven't been, you know, uh, probably hitting their top stride uh, attack-wise. Um, he played against Ulster o- over Christmas period, you know, was was pretty much anonymous. And look, at Bun- he's been dropped. He's been, he's been dropped. Mm-hmm. And, and look, a fella's, the problem with sometimes with someone like Bundy or you know Peter Mahoney or Johnny Sexton, it's hard to know when they're dropped because um, you know there's there's a player management program. You know they can come in and out, uh, but you know Andy Friend, I suppose, 
was honest and said, yeah, he is dropped. And that's obviously led to the people looking into it a little bit more. Will he play this weekend? You would imagine that Andy Farr would love him to play this weekend. Um, but I think what's what's interesting is he'll play if his attitude's right. You know, and Carl Ford is a youngster, local lad, has come in and taken his chance, got got a man in the match. So that's always a help yeah. when when a team wins without the star player and the, and the fella playing in his position, um, you know, performs well. It helps the coach. So Andy Friend has been able to rotate or play without Bundy and and win these Challenge Cup matches. And the youngster who's played is a is a product of the academy, and he's taken his chance. So. Um, it, and also, look at from Bunny's point of view, it can be difficult to be that star player in a team shorn of stars. Okay, like in Leinster, if if um, Dan Sheen has an off day, mm-hmm. you know, Caelan Doris, etc., can Josh Winterfleer can carry the can. You know what I mean? And 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 take on that leadership either on and off the field. You know, they're spread across internationals. Uh, Connor, obviously, Finney Beelham is a, is an international. They have some internationals, but there's a huge focus on on Bundy to be the main man all the time and maybe that's trained him you know he, you know, the rumour is that after the Lions tour you know he started to become a little bit more critical of of, of training or player standards or facilities etc um, and if you remember back under Pat Lamb since Bundy Aki came to Connacht he has been the the the, the guy uh, the player on the field and off it by all accounts who has been bringing that energy, bringing that drive, you know, um, leading the way. And sometimes, sometimes look at, he's only human, like as all players are, is that maybe he's just a bit fatigued from that. Maybe he hasn't had yeah. enough time off. Um, you don't know what's going on in his personal life. You don't know what injuries he has. But, you know, I think he'll come into this Irish team and he's, he'll be, you know, the Six Nations will, will invigorate him. The players he's playing with will not tolerate any messing um, and he'll be fine. I don't think Andy Farrell has anything to worry about but Connacht have to worry about it because for them to be successful, I know he's on a central contract um, so theoretically the money isn't coming from Connacht but realistically, you know, they need Bundy Aki to be yeah. totally invested um, producing on the field um, if they want to go where they want to go and, and look, at I think this will get sorted out um, and, and I think Bundy has a huge amount of credit in the bank in Connacht and so rare in rugby to actually have one of these little instances where there's maybe a little bit of an issue etc but you know what sometimes it's not a bad thing sometimes if 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 his issue is around the way they train play recruitment retention whatever it is facilities well maybe he's doing maybe the short term pain now will be worth it long term to get Connacht successful you know Can Andy Farrell even indirectly ever uh, influence uh, uh, team selection? Uh, indirectly, of course, yeah. Look at the, the, the you know the the beauty of the Irish model is you know you've Andy Fer- Andy Farrell, Andy Friend, Graham Roundtree, Dan McFarlane, and Leo Cullen. You know, and you know it's very easy to pick up the phone. Mm. Everyone's paid by the same paymaster, um, and Andy Farrell can give his um, recommendation. He can ask for a favour. Um, he can debate the toss, yeah. and the head coach can decide to listen or not. You know, so he, there's no there's no hard and fast rules. You can't force the provinces to pick anybody. Um, but of course, those conversations have, like they will have with the player directly. Like sometimes they will have with the agent. The agent will ring the manager or coach, and, and, and maybe try and be the the go between, or you know to to beg for, for game time um, but at the end of the day the, the responsibility will fall back to the head coach in the province to do what's best for the team uh, One of our texters has said that if Andy picked four tens Munster would be, would be left with none because Healy's in the Scotland squad Yeah I look at I know that but that's not um, there's only there's only a game next there's only one round of URC um, uh, you know in the next in the next few weeks when there's no international well, during the Six Nations so I don't think that would have came into it um, it's always been Team Ireland first and Farrell has been allowed to pick who he wants you know and look fair play to Ben Healy the rumour was at a time when they offered him the contract and he, and he signed it he was on a bit of a promise that he would be in the Six Nations squad and, and they followed through on that and he gets a chance to I suppose make a late push to go to a World Cup in Scotland uh, Bernard, there are lots of games this weekend and I don't think we're going to get them to today, to today but we will get to them tomorrow. But I just want to talk to you about um, 
the letter of claim that has been sent to World Rugby and the Welsh Rugby Union by more than 55 amateur rugby players over a potential brain injury lawsuit. So the group includes several retired female internationals, elite male players who took part in the sport before it turned professional in 1995, elite youth teamers and the family of a male rugby player who died due to chronic traumatic... I can't pronounce that word. Um, CTE, basically. Mm. But, Bernard... We spoke about this a little while ago. Um, A number of allegations have been raised by the claimants, um, like the potential negligence of the defendants failing to protect their players from neurological impairments like CTE and early onset dementia. They're trying to get damages for themselves and their families in addition to helping change the game to make it safer for future generations. How significant is this? It's the first time we've heard anything from the amateur game. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if you saw the RFU are going to trial um, waist high tackles in um, adult adult amateur rugby next year um, so there's the, you, you kind of in the same day you're getting you know the, the governing body saying that they're going to look at this tackle technique issue and, and lower the height of tackle technique in the amateur game and then you have a group of amateur players you know getting together and uh, uh, questioning or challenging the governing body for the care they've had look it's you know it would have been naive to think you could have, um, you know, a, a, a group of players at professional level who have symptoms um, and, and and brain illness, and then you it wouldn't happen in the amateur game. I know that look, it, it is a different game um, in terms of the repetition of, of of contact, the the power and impact, g force in those contacts. But at the end of the day, it's still the same game. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, we haven't heard anything further from that professional mm-hmm. court case so um, there's a lot going on and it seems as if the the, the, the legal team are connected uh, it's the same legal team from uh, what I saw one of the statements that are looking after that professional group so um, yeah there's a lot of stuff going on as you say ok well we'll be keeping an eye on it uh, we will have the rest of our Champions Cup chat tomorrow so do tune in for that uh, we're going to take a very quick break but stay with us though because next we're talking basketball <laughs> Welcome back. It's now time to turn our attention to basketball. And don't forget, we have a pair of tickets to the sold-out InsureMyHouse.ie Pat Duffy Cup final to give away to one lucky listener. Simply answer the following question. What venue will host the InsureMyHouse.ie National Cup Finals, which take place this weekend? Text your answer name and email address to 51552. And don't forget also that there are 11 games taking place over the InsureMyHouse.ie National Cup Finals weekend, which start on Friday. With tickets still available for some of the finals, go to the Basketball Ireland website, which is basketball, which is Ireland.basketball. Yes, that's Ireland.basketball. Now, I'm delighted to say that Darren McGovern of Aina and Charlie Crowley of University of Galway Marie are both with me on the line as we preview this weekend's men's final. Um, guys, you're so very, very welcome. Um, to you first, Darren, um, I guess it's kind of familiar territory for you now preparing for a final. How's it all going? Yeah, it's going, it's going really well. It's a, a pleasure to be in a final. It showcases uh, the level, I suppose, that we've been at for the last four or five years. And for you, Charlie, um, first time in the decider. What's it like for you guys? Yeah, yeah it's kind of same as same as Anna there. Yeah, we're just kind of happy to be here, and um, yes, yeah, everyone's happy around Galway, and there's a good buzz about it. Darren, it's such a rare thing before a big game. Like it's a huge game; it's getting loads of attention. It's sold out. Um, it's the biggest game in your calendar to be speaking to two of the managers on the phone. When I look at other sports, it wouldn't happen. It's you wouldn't actually talk to GA managers or soccer managers for nearly the, the whole year round. But to talk to both of you guys today, it's brilliant. It's great for the promotion. And I guess from, from your point of view, Darren, it's probably a necessary thing because basketball still does need that bit of a push, I feel. Yeah, no, I think it absolutely does. I think throughout the years, basketball's grown tremendously, especially since COVID. And um, we've really gotten as many children and young people involved in the sport. And I think that's been excellent to see. And then also then... At senior level, um, the crowds that have been going to Super League matches and the men's and the women's have been extraordinary as well over the last two years. So it's really a testament, I think, to the sport. But we do need to promote it as much as possible. So I'm all for that. (laughs) Well, thank you both very much for coming on as well. Um, Charlie, just picking up on that, I got some brilliant stats of Basketball Ireland today and 
I was just so surprised by some of them. Just the fact that the growth in the last five years is up 48%. It's a 50-50 gender split. It's the third biggest sport among Gen Z in Ireland. 79 different nationalities are represented among the playing membership in Ireland. 950 schools across Ireland with 41,000 schools, players. It's really going from strength to strength in this country, it feels, as well. Yeah, I know, for sure. Definitely on the rise. I know here, even in the... The rest of Ireland is getting bigger. I think our, our juvenile has tripled this season alone. So, yeah, I know it's definitely, I know there's, I was overwhelmed by all those stats there. I couldn't catch them all. But yeah, I know definitely it's on the rise for sure. It also helps, of course, that it's um, that it's in, in an indoor sport because it can be so cold and so hard to get the kids outside and, of course, so hard to get a facility as well um, to get a pitch or anything like that. So to have the, the indoor halls and the schools and everything, the, the access to them is, is brilliant. Um, Charlie, I'm going to have to declare my interest now, uh, just in, uh, for fairness. Um, I do have three children playing with Aina and uh, my husband plays for the D4s. I told him I'd give him a big shout-out. Darren knows, him. <laughs> knows the team. Um, uh, Darren, he, I was talking to him before I came on um, came on to do this interview and he said that um, he said to me that I had to mention the D4s and we were talking about the injuries that you guys have had and he said things are looking so bad for a while that he thought you might have to call on the D4s to, to step up and play were things that bad? Do I mean, no, let's just say to, to Billy things weren't that bad <laughs> um, but um, no we have, yeah we've had a range and out and injuries and stuff like that so yeah you just it's nature I suppose of a long season and you know, you, you build a squad and you have a squad and you use it, I suppose, and that's what we've been doing for the last six to eight weeks. Yeah, and I guess it's probably uh, with the, just a couple of days out from the big game, if I start asking about injuries, I'm probably not going to get too much information, especially with the opposition coach on the line. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> well, we're, we're probably in the same situation as we were a week ago, so it, it'll be what it is. Charlie, just given the two teams, and it's you know it's a rare enough thing to be in a situation where we're previewing a final, and it's really, really, really hard to call. Like the both teams, um, they seem like they're they're quite evenly matched. What's it going to come down to? Do you think at the weekend? Uh, I think I think it'll be more at the start of it. Who starts? Who starts? The better get accustomed to it more. Obviously, they've been there before, so I'll give them the slight edge on paper and stuff like that. But you know, we'll try. We'll try our best to face it as soon as we can. Darren, I did watch a couple of your games um, over the last while and, and you've had some crackers. And, and look, one thing that really stands out for me is that you seem to be able to win those really tough games. How do you get to a stage? Because it's a, the stage that a lot of teams want to be at when things get really tight at the end. You seem to be able to get over the line. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose that's been mentioned quite a few times. So as I said, that's a lot to do with putting yourself in the position and then being lucky. You know, we've we've got really good talented players. They make their own luck, but uh, you know, this is a national cup final. Like Charlie said, there as well. Like a start is really important, but the finish is the most important part of it. So if we can get ourselves in that position, um, you know, we'd be happy to be in a fight at the end of the game, try and win it. Yeah, and of course, Darren, you do have Raymond coming off the bench as well. Um, I've seen him described as a lot of things. One was like um, a live wire, a live fuse. Um, having him in your armour must be a, um, it must give you a lot of a lot of um, confidence. Yeah, it does. Like I think Ramon and quite a few of the other guys, like we faith in everybody, which is superb to be able to call upon anyone at the time. Like Ramon came into the club three, four years ago, and. He's, he's loved by everybody coaching left, right and centre women's social basketball as well and he just puts himself there he's a real sort of club man in fairness so Ramon's been excellent and Charlie just even from like um, an interest point of view just like having players obviously the Americans they, they just add so much to it just from a spectator's point of view it feels as well and, and like you've got some you've some real big stars in your team yeah yeah no I think they definitely <laughs> they definitely bring that kind of that wow factor and mm-hmm. stuff like that um, yeah, especially around the club and stuff. Like that. I often find our guys Saturday morning, Friday evening. The Carlos Sanchez team, you know, they're in the. I think they won there today. But Carlos, you know, they're coaching Carlos Sanchez. Having them John Finn. John Finn coaches about forty teams, so he helps them out. But um, yeah, no, they, they're great. You know, they really are that star power and that that wow factor that the league needs and everyone, you know, draws in people and stuff like that. It's great as well, Charlie, just to see some of these star players like the the. The ones that you go to watch on the Friday night, to see them giving back to the, the club in different ways and just seeing them involved in, in coaching and camps and everything as well. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, I said it before, is that whenever you bring in a guy, there's so much else that, that needs to be ticked off the box first before 
there's a lot of good, really, really good players out there. But uh, it's the really good people that you're trying to find, and a lot of the time it's a lottery. And uh, have to say, we got lucky this year. We had, we had four, now three, or even sorry, had five, now four. They're all uh, have been excellent people lost the floor. So that's the main thing we really. did. Yeah, absolutely. And and Charlie, just for you, um, like one of the things that people really associate with your team is that it, you play such an entertaining brand of basketball. Was that your plan when you went into coaching that you wanted to play a certain type of game? Um, I've only been brought up to Mary, the great Mary Rocker coach for basketball. There's only one way I kind of really know how to play mm-hmm. it. So I uh, just kind of said that's it, I suppose. We just call it you know, the Mary way, how we play. Um, so that, that's kind of it you know <clears throat> there's certain ways of certain coaches try and read into different kind of things I'm not a good enough coach to know these different types of systems so I just <laughs> teach what's in front of me and just do whatever I've known so no I don't I don't think we we just think no coach really goes out there to try and play entertaining basketball <laughs> well a lot of um, a lot of other sports you'd find they, they get in the crowds and kind of having the the kind of the wow factor every now and again that it it becomes part of their process that they want to to play um, to play an entertaining game and, and and just one that springs to mind was when Jim Gavin took over Dublin, he had this philosophy that he was going to try and play entertaining Gaelic football and and he he certainly did and and obviously won a lot of All Irelands along the way, as well. Um, Jared, heading into the game, you've both had tough roads to get here and like you know we're, we're talking about how balanced things are. You both. Um, suffered a league loss as well in the last uh, week or so so does, is there anything that gives either side the edge do you feel? Uh, no I think this game's really unique as well the fact that both of us haven't even faced each other yet this season and um, that's normally something that has normally would happen before this stage because we're at halfway stage but uh, I, just, I just think we're evenly matched to be honest and it's going to be really difficult for either team if either team get on a run it's going to be difficult for that team to get back into it because of the way we both play. And so, yeah, it's, it's going to be a really spectacular, I suppose, watch for those who's going to be seen on TV. And for those lucky enough to be able to get a ticket, it's going to be a fantastic game, I think. Yeah, and Charlie, look, we've seen, well, I've seen, and, and again, I did declare my interest at the start, that the crowd that Ana can bring to um, to the arena. For you guys, are you, will you be travelling as well with the huge crowd? Oh jeez, we're coming in droves and as many people from Galway are coming up the west to set Dublin alight. No, no, we got whatever we got and we could get our hands on have all you know, they've all gone like so I know I think also the game against Temple Oak kinda that we saw years ago, nearly like to turn their half the fans to say, We'll take the ticket anyway. I don't even know if they're turning up but they're buying the ticket so I can't <laughs> Good plan, good plan. Um Darren and Charlie, thank you so much for joining us. We wish you both the best of luck at the weekend. And um, no doubt you're going to put on a great show and it'll be a brilliant spectacle for everybody watching. Um, And just before we finish up, we do have that competition as well. So we have a pair of tickets to the sold out insuremyhouse.ie Pat Duffy Cup final to give away to one lucky listener. Simply answer the following question. What venue will host the insuremyhouse.ie National Cup finals, which take place this weekend? Text your answer, name and email address to 51552. And don't forget there are 11 games taking place over the insuremyhouse.ie National Cup Finals weekend which starts on Friday with tickets still available for some of the finals go to the Basketball Ireland website which is ireland.basketball yes that's ireland.basketball uh, Charlie and Darren thank you so much Cheers, Appreciate thank, you. thank you Game on Eye on America now I'm delighted to say that we are joined by Jeff Shepherd to give us all the news stateside Shep how are you? I'm great Marie how are you doing today? looking forward to talking to you for days um i'm not gonna lie i needed to get your views on tom brady and whether or not <laughs> he's finished because i'm sick of talking about whether or not he's finished <laughs> well i mean we've only done it every yeah, year this yeah. this decade right you know um i mean i don't you find it hard to believe that he goes out in a game like that i mean look i i know you know he wants a storybook ending where he wins a super bowl and rides off into the sunset and, and I don't know if he'll get that. But I just find it hard to believe that he would, the last game that he would want to have played in the NFL is a, just a terrible, you know, Monday night playoff game at home and you just get trounced by the Dallas Cowboys. I, I just don't see him wanting to go out that way. Now, does that mean he'll be back in Tampa Bay? I, I doubt that. I, I think he's probably going to move on. And so you start to look around the league and, 
who's looking for quarterbacks, places like the Jets, places like, you know, the Dolphins, the Saints, the New England Patriots could be interested in his services again. You know, I mean, that would just be an all-timer, I think. Um, you know, maybe the Colts are looking for someone. Do they have enough money? I, I don't know, but I, I just don't imagine he's done yet. I mean, he didn't really, you know, sustain any major hits or major injuries this year. Their offense wasn't great. Their offensive coordinator got fired today um, as proof of that. And so... Um, he was fine. He was just playing with a lot of banged up and injured guys. So, I, no, I, I, I think he's probably coming back. It's crazy, really. It just shows as well how important it is to have a bit of self-awareness and go out at the top when you can, because otherwise you could find yourself in a Tom Brady situation. Getting paid millions and millions just to hang around. <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible life. But speaking of which, you know, our other favorite topic, Aaron Rodgers, he's not indicated yet whether or not He's planning on coming back for his 19th season yet. Um, you know, don't know if he's going to, you know, take any trips, and I'll put that word in quotes, out into the desert or, you know, up a mountain or anything like that or go to Hawaii and figure things out. But he so far has not given any indication on whether or not he's planning on coming back. Right, well, it looks like we'll be talking about both of them and whether or not they're coming back or, or not for um, a few more occasions anyway yet. But let's get to the action because we are at the NFL playoff divisional round this weekend and there's four games, so eight teams left. Jaguars, Chiefs, Giants, Eagles, Bengals, Bills and Cowboys, 49ers. Which is the one to watch? Well, I mean, look, I, I, you know, the, the games on um, Saturday were you know, kind of weird uh, during the day. Uh, and then the, the Jaguars game Saturday night just was bananas. I mean, they were down 27 nothing to the Chargers and came back to win that football game. Just an unbelievable performance by Trevor Lawrence in the second half. It, it really was incredible, and um, the Chargers just really blew it. Um, and then, you know, on, on Sunday, the Bills and the Dolphins played a really, really good football game, and Buffalo held on. So now they're going to host the uh, – Cincinnati Bengals, who, you know, were the beneficiaries Sunday night of just an, an all-time defensive playoff play by Sam Hubbard. He, he returned a fumble 98 yards for a touchdown. Really interesting thing there, Marie. He actually grew up in the city of Cincinnati. Um, and so he's a hometown kid scoring a touchdown that eventually wins a playoff game for the Bengals. And so now you've got Cincinnati and Joe Burrow going to Buffalo to take on Josh Allen and the Bills. I mean, I, I think it's a coin flip. I mean, it's going to be cold. You know, obviously the Bills fans are, you know, really worked up. Obviously all the things going on with DeMar Hamlin. He did not make an appearance at the game last week. Uh, he went to this facility on Saturday and was able to interact with his teammates, but he was not there on Sunday. Um, not sure yet if there's any plans to have him there this weekend. Um, so, I mean, I, to me, that's the game that stands out the most because you've got two of the three best quarterbacks in the league in Burrow and Allen, and um, I, I just really can't wait to watch that football game. So, Shep, look, we are down to eight now. Are you leaning towards anybody? I mean, I still think it's one of those AFC teams with the quarterbacks but between the two and, you know, Cincinnati and Buffalo and then, and then Mahomes. But I tell you what, Marie, you know, we, we talk about those three elite quarterbacks. You have to go all the way to the other end of the spectrum and you talk about what's going on in San Francisco and Brock Purdy. So there's this term, he's got this nickname, it's Mr. Irrelevant. What that means is he was the last player selected in the NFL draft. It's, it's a, tra a tradition that dates back, I don't know, 50-something years. The last player is deemed Mr. Irrelevant. And, you know, very rarely do they either A, make a team, or B, hang around long enough to ever make a contribution. This guy's won seven football games in a row as the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers and has them, you know, two wins away from the Super Bowl. So uh, I think we can, you know, put that nickname to bed for this guy. He, he's just been phenomenal. And, you know, he's, he's not made any mistakes. He's played really well. They had a tough game against San Fran uh, Seattle, excuse me, early Saturday afternoon, and then really just put it on the Seahawks in the second half. And their defense is so good. And now they're going to take on Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, uh, who you know fresh off that Monday night big victory in Tampa. So they're going to fly back all the way across the country. So I mean, I, I think you know that in the NFC, I, I, even though the Eagles have had the you know the best record and the best season, um, I think San Francisco is the team to beat. And if they get past the Cowboys this week, they're really setting themselves up nice for. Super Bowl run. Okay, Shep, enjoy your weekend and we will chat to you next week. We're going to take a very quick break. Stay with us, though. Um, we still have some Premier League team news to come. RTE 2FM. 
Clear Mobile has 99% 4G population coverage. So where are people going? Out west with four bars and all. Dublin. Outside of Dublin. Longford. Waterford. All the Fords. Amazing coverage with unlimited calls, texts and data from a pretty smart $12.99 a month. But hurry, limited time offer. Clear Mobile. You clear yet? 30-day contract. Activation fee and fair usage applies. Max data speed 5 megabits per second. $12.99 subject to eligibility. Offer ends 28th of February 2023. See clearmobile.ie for terms. Ever wanted to scream into the void because you're stuck getting insurance with somebody who's allegedly real, says everything and nothing but clearly isn't listening? Well, scream no more. Get great car and home quotes from OnPost Insurance by calling our very real humans in at loan on 0818222222 or visit onpostinsurance.ie. Acceptance criteria, terms, conditions apply. One Direct Ireland Limited trading as OnPost Insurance is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. One Direct Ireland Limited is a wholly owned subsidiary of OnPost. Home insurance underwritten by Aviv Insurance Ireland DAC. Best prices online. They say you can't beat the feeling of a brand new car. Well, how about the feeling of a brand new Peugeot? Featuring Peugeot's unique iCockpit with head-up technology screens for safer driving and a roomy ergonomic interior. All in the stylish 208, the compact 2008 SUV, our best-selling 3008 SUV and the family favourite 5008 with seven seats as standard. Experience the brand new Peugeot feeling at your local Peugeot dealer or visit Peugeot.ie today. It takes a special kind of person to be part of the Aldi team. Someone who gives it their all can expect a lot in return. You'll work with a great team. There's always room for flexibility, a great work-life balance, a whole host of great benefits, and the possibilities are endless. Aldi are now recruiting store assistants nationwide. So if you think you have what it takes, and want to find out more about what we have to offer? Apply now at aldirecruitment.ie. Aldi, every day amazing. Be in the now with Jen Zamparelli. Weekdays from 9 on 2FM. Jane chatted to us about trying not to impose pressure on her child. Have a listen to this. Yes, I am a ballet teacher, but I'm not her teacher, I'm her mum. If she ever came home to me to show me what she'd been doing in class, I never corrected her because that's what I pay her teachers to do. <laughs> yeah. And that's what her teacher's job is. My job is to be so proud of her and to show her that I'm enjoying her as my daughter, not her as a student. We're back tomorrow from 9. Game on on 2FM. Peter Smith is at uh, the meeting of Manchester City and Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Peter, both teams are looking to bounce back from Premier League defeat, so who's going to do it? Well, it's a clash of two sides suffering from Derby Day Despair, that offside-natured goal that United scored to the nice city last weekend still resonates on the blue side of Manchester. Tottenham fans still upset about the relative ease at which Arsenal won at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday. I'm going for City. I'm looking forward to watching the two goal scorers, Harland Edge, closer to the Premier League record. And, of course, Harry Kane, if he scores one more, he's equal Jimmy Greaves. 266 record for Spurs in all competitions. Thanks so much, Peter. Well, that is all we have time for. Our basketball ticket winner is Fiona McInesby. Um, Betta De Silva is up next.